This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We're here today with the creator of HBO's The White Lotus, Mr. Mike White. The show is up for 20 Emmy nominations, and we're also talking about season two with him. 20 Emmy nominations. Does the success of this series, did it surprise you that it resonated so much? Or was it that we all wanted to go on vacation to Hawaii as the pandemic was opening up. I'm just curious, because this really connected with a lot of people. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I've made a lot of stuff in my career and some stuff like ends up on a shelf in some network <laughs> building and never even makes it, it makes air. So like just to, yeah, that, the, the uh, I was, so yeah, of course I was surprised. I liked the show, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think it was, I think, yeah, I think people were maybe, yeah, like been bottled up because of the pandemic and, and being able to, you know, go on vacation and, and, and eat. I think there's something just, yeah, kind of, there's a pleasure about like eavesdropping on other people on their vacations, even when you're on your own. And, and I don't know, something about, uh, yeah, just the, the vibe of the show. I think we just, you know, and, and HBO's, you know, the fact that we were able to like be, um, spoon fed a little bit like well you know like just drop once a week and in kind of that more linear uh, way of uh, letting the show out i think it just built a like people started talking about it and then it just kind of got more feverish as it went along which was really surprising but cool i'm gonna come back to what jennifer coolidge told me about you but before that how much of you is in the show what character do you identify with and like you're in Hawaii. Hello. You must see these horrible vacations going on. You must be witnessing them firsthand, these awful people. The truth is, it's like, I don't think you can really write characters unless you see, a, I mean, at least for me, like, unless there's a bit of them in you. So, like, I remember talking to Jake Lacey and he was like, oh, yeah, this guy is so, and I was like, I was like, this guy's kind of me. There's a little bit of me in this guy. Like, I mean, I definitely am, you know, I'm not like, there's lots of things that aren't me about him, but like there is, you know, there's always, I, I do have this sort of like, you know, wait, that I, 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 you know, like I ordered this room, like here is the, here is the proof. Like, you know, like, you know, it's like that kind of like, like that there's some injustice that, that is like that could end up like ruining my vacation where you know and I, of course you don't want to be that guy but and you don't want to like admit that you're that guy but there's moments where I'm just like wait I think I had I think I'm pretty sure I booked the other room and then I just can't let it go so like three days into the vacation I'm like I know we were in the other room and like and so like uh yeah so there's uh, I think there's a little bit of me and all of the different characters. There's definitely a part of me that's Jennifer's character. I mean, it's, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I'm, 
I'm hopefully not as annoying as a lot of the characters in the show, but I, I think I have a, the ability to be that. You're in Hawaii now, and I've known this for quite some time, but were you, did you write this while you were in Hawaii? Uh, well, I started it writing it in LA and then and then HBO actually, at the time we were just kind of an experimental show and they were just, they were just very needy for content. And so they were like, okay, I wrote like the first two episodes and they were like, okay, you can go do this. And so then I flew to Hawaii and we actually moved into the Four Seasons and I wrote the last couple episodes in situ right there at the Four Seasons, kind of like trying to get a sense of where we would, you know, because we were kind of prepping, writing and casting all at the same time. Now, Jennifer said to me, we were in the same tent on, on the Serengeti. You learned a lot of things about me on that trip. I don't think I'm fully Tanya, but there were specific things about me that were eccentric. He put in there the script. Can you expound on that? <laughs> I mean, there's definitely a part of Jennifer. Yeah, I mean, I've been friends with her for a long time and I, and she's, you know, she's not as much of a mess as Tanya, obviously, but like, you know, she's like very successful, like, like functional person, but like she, she does have, you know, she, she does sort of like, she's very um, kind and so, and she's very neurotic. And so she gets very wrapped up in the, like, you know, it's like, so she'll, you know, people that work at this hotel, she'll, you know, get into conversation with them. And then she, there's a lot of, anxiety about how much she should tip them and then she's suddenly she knows everything about their life story and then it's like and, and and then like she she goes down these rabbit holes so like there's just a lot of that with her and then it's like at some point you know you have to like leave the hotel you can't like bring everybody home with you or take care of everybody that you you know it's like she just has a huge heart and then it you know it sets up these like you know um complicated relationships with people that she runs into through through her life how did you start cracking this were the themes already there or did you just start writing your characters and then the the whole thing about the abuse of privilege and you know the division of class did that work its way in later or was that there from the onset did you know your theme before you started writing the truth was what i wanted to do originally was a show about a couple on a honeymoon and that on their honeymoon, they realize, or one of them realizes that the person they thought they were marrying, you know, that somehow travel and being on a vacation, they start to see that the person that they, that they don't really know the person until they are in this kind of situation. And so that was the original idea. And so it was gonna be more of a honeymoon show, but then the bottle idea of like, uh, you know, just we had to be in one hotel. And I was like, well, we probably need to follow other guests. But it was kind of, it started about money being the thing that made, you know, like money, how money impacts like even intimate relationships. And then I just sort of, that idea then just built out to the rest of the storylines where I was just like, it should be about how money kind of, and who has the money can impact every kind of a relationship, whether it's a you know, parent-child or like a wife and a husband, you know, or the, you know, the, the employees and the, and the guests. And so it just kind of was like, it felt like that was like a rich subject to explore. Now, what pulls us through is a mystery. Somebody's dead at the beginning. We don't know who that is. We have an assumption and man, we want to see that. We want to see how that unfolds. 
was that also always there from the onset or like, when did you say, I need a string here? You know, honestly, when I just first sat down to write, I was like, I kind of feel like we need to do something start at the end and and then go back and and yeah i don't usually do mysteries i'm not really <laughs> that's not really like i'm not known but it was for that great but i and so i just thought you know there's a lot of you know it, it just felt like it was like maybe this is a hook i didn't realize how much that kind of hook really does hook people in and so less like yeah uh note to self like yeah sometimes that kind of thing uh actually really does bring people in i knew somebody was gonna die so like i was like i need this to build to like a kind of operatic conclusion so i was like well let's make the most of this and like kind of tease that out so that was but it was yeah it turned out to be a more effective hook than i would have ever expected so i don't know it's nice the brilliance of paula and olivia this twinning and that they're both the vocal voices of of privilege and they're sniping, you know, behind everybody's back and deconstructing them. And then they fray apart. Yeah. Blow our minds about how that came to be, because that, like your mystery, is also another great and, you know, Paula as a cipher. Yeah, I well, thanks. I, yeah, I, I love I love the idea of like, yeah, starting with these two girls and the way that you first meet, you know, cause I don't know, I remind, the whole setup reminded me of like a fantasy island where like fantasy island, you know, you have like <laughs> Ricardo Montalban and like the, and tattoo and they're, they, you know, you see each, each character and then they say, this is their problem and this is who they are. And you like locate them in this, you know, specific, you know, I like whatever cultural cliche. And I was like, it'd be fun to start this with like, two people who are like doing kind of guessing who everyone is but they're kind of wrong they're kind of right they're kind of wrong so like the audience meets everybody and they start off with a certain kind of impression and it's not exactly right and i was just like and that's kind of a, it felt like that was a cool idea just for the whole way of like exploring character which is like nobody's exactly what they seem and then these two girls that you see and like I wanted to shoot them at the beginning where they're all kind of in two shots we're in a two shot so you see them they're like a pair and you every time you see them they're like you know literally sharing the screen together and then you like you know you you create a wedge between them and then you realize they're yeah they come from totally different lives and they are totally different and 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 I just felt like that was a fun, yeah, fun kind of like Greek chorus to explore that you think, oh, they're they're these like just providing commentary to the to the stuff that's going on at the hotel, but then you realize there's like really the drama is right here, you know. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Armand, meaning a tragic end. Was that evident to you from the beginning? Because that, again, was a very clever death. Yeah, it just I just felt like it was like, uh, again, the original idea was about this couple. And, and I was thinking, yeah, he's complaining about his room. And I was just like, it'd be so fun if like 
this stupid, yeah, little issue just, yeah, like steamrolls into something that's actually, you know, tragic in a way. And, but it, it's still landing in a kind of absurd place. So I was like, so I wanted to create a character in Armand who was like really has like drunk the Kool-Aid of ser the service culture and then has this kind of, yeah, like crisis of like ex exist existential crisis. And then, yeah, it turns into the opposite where he's just, he really re sort of realizes he's wasted his whole life and, and how deep the bitterness runs and that he could do all that in, in, in a week. It would seem like a, it would be a, it'd be a fun turn for an actor. Let's go back to your beginnings, breaking in and selling Dead Man on Campus. Tell us about what was it like in the beginning of your writing career? I know you wrote on Dawson's Creek, but what was the scene like in Hollywood? Were there certain things you could and could not do? Did you have three specs under your arm, you know, that you were trying to get an agent with? Um, I wrote a couple of scripts. Dead Man on Campus was a movie that was already going and they brought me on to rewrite it. So it wasn't, it was not a script of mine, but I was hired to rewrite it. But I, but I, um, yeah, when I started, I was, I, you know, didn't really know anybody. I was, I, like, I basically wrote um, The Good Girl and Chuck and Buck as spec scripts. And those scripts ended up finding their way into hands of different producers. And that's how I ended up getting jobs on Dawson's Creek and getting the Dead Man on Campus. Yeah, I was just, I was somebody who was like, yeah, just kind of like, was living in sort of prison-like conditions with like no money and trying to get out of my mom's condo in Glendale and was just like, you know, like furiously just trying to write as much as I could to, yeah, get out of, get out of the little jail I was in. I love Orange County to this day. Oh, thank you. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, you were born in Pasadena. I was born in Pasadena, but my family is spread through uh, the inland and Orange County and yeah, so I, I I have relatives all through the Inland Empire, basically. What's your take on feature comedies today? Do you think you could you could pull one off if you pivoted back to features or? Um, I don't know. Uh, have I done a feature comedy? But I, at least re recently, I you know it's comedy is definitely in a weird state. You know, it's like hard to. You know, like something like School of Rock, I, I don't know, are they making, I, it's like, it's such a weird time for movies in general, and so I just, it's, it's like, I, 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 t and I, and as I get older, I tend to, like, some comedies feel too, it's like, I like, like, I like, like, White Lotus, I feel like it's funny, but it's, it feels like it has a little bit more, I don't know, uh, you know, there's more teeth to it. And it's just, and so like, I'm more, if I can do that kind of th work, then that's what I want to do. But yeah, I think the world of comedy is complicated just because people have gotten very careful and, and, and yeah. And I, and I, and also the movie business is also just in a weird place. So it's just a weird time, you know, obviously people want to be entertained. They want to laugh. So I, there'll always be some new way to find comedy, but uh, it's it just feels a little, yeah, it's, it's definitely in a transitional place. I don't know where exactly it's going. Now I'm gonna ask about season two of White Lotus. Don't worry, I'm not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna have major spoilers here. 
when did you come to the point where you said, yes, a season two is possible. I'm going to do this. Well, I like working with HBO. I like working. <laughs> and just the idea of being able to travel and also do something like this and like go to like somewhere like Italy, you know, at, at the time it wasn't necessarily going to be Italy, but I mean, to me, that's like cracking the code. That's everything that I want, which is to like, you know, I'm not in a stage in Burbank. I'm like, I don't know, going somewhere cool and 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 also, you know, trying to create a whole new kind of vibe. You know, uh, I, I'm not somebody who's good at like sustaining on a show for season after season. I, I kind of have a more, I don't know, that's not my storytelling skill. So it's like to be able to like come up, come in with new characters and really blow it out and like just go for it like and not you know not have to like hold on to a franchise and just in have it be more and like an anthology that just seems really fun so like that's something i'd still love to do like so like if if this season turns out good or hbo still likes me at the end of it i would still keep doing it uh can you tease is it a new mystery is it the evolution of tanya there's a new mystery there is an evolution of Tanya and it's a whole, but it's a whole new set and it's, it's, it's a whole new set of characters. And I think this, the, it's like, it definitely feels like it's still white Lotus, but it has a different kind of, it's like the theme is slightly, it's different. It's not really about uh, the power tripping, uh, you know, it's not about um, the power dynamics so much. It's more of a, uh, about men and women and sexual politics and, and it's, um, but yeah, I'm excited about it. As it's coming together, I'm, I feel like it's like, it's its own vibe, but it, it feels, uh, I feel like if people liked the first one, I, yeah, I feel like they might like this one too. That would be cool. When do you think we'll get to see it? <laughs> when? Yeah, have they, well, they haven't put a date. I think they mentioned that's coming, yeah, it starts in October maybe, or some, some, sometime in the, in the late fall. Oh, that's great. When I was talking to a number of the Emmy-nominated actors on, on Emmy-nom day, they were mentioning, oh, he calls me up and he's so, we got, I got an idea for your character. You know, uh, like Alexandra Daddario was saying, you know, he had this idea of seeing me and, and Lacey in the back you know, in, the, in a background scene. Are you thinking of season three and like thinking of, hey, maybe we'll return some, some of the core cast? Yeah, I definitely, it would be really fun to uh, take a character or a couple characters from the first season and, and have them, uh, yeah, come into the third season I, it's definitely something i'm trying to figure out i mean <laughs> this cast has now gotten so like busy and they're all in demand so that's cool for them but then it's like complicated for me because it's like oh how are we gonna be like yeah who are we gonna be able to get back which so so yeah i'd, I'd love to it's you know it's so special when you work with actors that you really fall in love with and so and i, I definitely have done that both with both seasons so yeah there's a there's just a surfeit of cool people I'd love to do it again with and and Jennifer as well you know so like everybody uh so yeah you never know will you have a new music theme because the main title theme is so I mean first of all it's fantastic but it has yeah we've uh Christo our 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 composer who's a genius 
Um, you know, a lot of the, the cues last year had to do with, um, had a sort of tropical uh, unease vibe. And so that doesn't really work for Italy, but it's like, so yeah, so for the main theme, he's like redone it. I think he's done a genius job, which is like, he's created a sort of more Italian classical en entry point and then the hook comes in. So it has like, yeah, it has a little, it has the hook, the old hook, but in a new kind of, um, it's like a uh, remix. It's the Italian remix. So yeah, that, that I think, and that's the, uh, the hope. We're still putting the show together, obviously. And, um, but that's the hope is that it has it has the vibe of last year and certainly the same composer but then just different kind of textures and something that feels more uh sicilian and italian and less like tropical mike white thank you thank you for talking to me no thank you for talking to me <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. 